0: I believe that becoming a better man means being more reliable and more supportive in relationships. Whether that be with friends, family or partners, human connection is important for all of us. So I've designed a test that will help you improve yourself and your relationships. There's a link to it in the show notes. I'll tell you more at the end of this episode. For now, enjoy
1: listening. Something else then started. Our fans turned on me in a big way. What the hell, Barden? You could have easily got that.
0: Welcome to Stories of Men, Beneath the Surface. I'm Alex Melia. Join me as we discover what it means to be a man in the modern era. Games have a funny way of getting into our psyche. Whether it's a game of Monopoly, or the FA Cup final, they can really alter our behaviour in ways that we wouldn't normally expect. Andy Barden is the co-founder of Think Unconventional, which is a successful social media and content agency that focuses on inclusivity and standing out from the crowd. Like all of us, he was once 12 years old and playing in a high-stakes cup final against his football team rivals, Castle Colts. It was a cold October morning and he was nervous.
1: I remember standing on the sidelines next to where all the crowd was, where the family stood, the parents, my dad was there. And the manager at the time was reeling off the team sheet. And although I played most games, this was a big game. And I had no idea if I was going to get picked. We had a full squad of 15 players. And I was looking at my dad from the sideline, thinking he's waiting to hear my name. And the manager then picked Ollie in goal, Cleggy, your left back, Barden, centre with Pete. And I remember looking at my dad and my dad giving me the reassuring nod. He was absolutely beaming with pride that his son had been picked for the biggest game of the season. So the team finished being picked, I'm buzzing, I want to get into position and get ready. The nerves were there but the buzz of being picked was still very much with me and I just wanted to get that first whistle, that starting whistle done so that we could make a start. So the whistle goes and immediately Castle Colts are on it. I'm standing in position ready for anything to happen, but in truth, I just felt like my midfielders would get hold of the ball and I hoped they would get a tackle in So the ball didn't end up in our half. I started to feel scared. And I'll never forget number five in the middle of the park for Castle Colts was Charlie Plummer. I mean, I'd never played against him, but I'd heard stories of his brilliance at 12 or 13 years of age, the way that he played football, his strength. He was so much bigger than any of us. So Charlie's then in the middle of the park. He's got the ball and I'm watching him and He's shrugged off one player, shrugged off another player, and our players just couldn't get near him. He's taking it round our centre mid, and all of a sudden the fear starts to build as he's running towards me. And then their number nine, I knew he was quick, and I could just almost feel his breath behind me. I knew that if this ball comes through, I've got a fight on my hands. Charlie decides to feed the ball. The moment it leaves his left foot, I felt a sense of relief that he wasn't going to try and take me on. But then, the next concern kicked in almost in a split second. It's a rare moment where Charlie Plummer's not put the ball on someone's toe. And it's coming towards me. And I can reach it. And I think I'm going to be the hero. I'm going to save this from being a goal. And everyone on the sidelines is going to be cheering because I'm going to boot it out. And then I decide, in that split second, I'm just going to let this ball go. As I leave the ball, I turn around, but it's too late. The number nine's on it like a shot. He runs towards the goal and smashes it in the top corner. And as all the cheering's going on for him and their team, something else then started. Our fans, turned on me in a big way.
0: What the hell, Barden? You could have easily got that.
1: And I just stood there, listening to all the different voices from our fans, all of them negative, all of them looking at me and placing blame. So then my attention turned to my fellow players. I could see the goalkeeper. He was a friend of mine, but out of my peripheral vision, I could see him running towards me. I knew what was coming. What the hell, Barden? You could have had that. Now we're 1-0 down in one minute. At that point, I was as low as I could possibly be. I'm looking left and all the fans are one side. I'm looking right and all the Castle Colts fans are the other side. Where can I run? I'm trying to find the exit. I'm looking left, I'm looking right, I'm looking straight ahead. I cannot be here for another 89 minutes. I've just made the biggest mistake, and now I just need to go. I felt tiny. And then I hear it from the sidelines. Then I hear my dad. The reassuring, don't worry, you've got this, son. Forget about it and move on.
0: It seemed like there was a lot of paralysis by analysis. And your whole life can come down to decisions that you make, whether they are providing benefits or decisions have led to something unfortunate in your life and you've gone down the wrong path. That decision
1: that day has had a massive impact on you, hasn't it? Oh, massive. But I still battle it now. I still You, you just said there, paralysis by analysis. That quote massively resonates with me now because even my wife will say to me when everything in the business needs to be perfect for me to move forward and if it's not perfect I'm in mental chaos all of the time she'll say to me you're overanalyzing it sometimes you just need to do and then think about it after or worry about it after because actually most of what we worry about doesn't actually happen but it did teach me very much that I never wanted that feeling again and that I made an error in judgment on that day because I avoided the fight. That's what it was. I avoided the fight. I was scared of, first of all, I was scared of Charlie Plummer coming towards me with the ball because I knew he was better than me. And then I was scared of the fight with the number nine in case I couldn't keep him away from the ball or in case I had messed up the following pass. Um, and, and I think a lot of that also, even now, it comes out of a fear of losing. Like I fear, lo- I fear losing all the time. If I lose, I feel like I haven't done enough to be where that winner is. So I then beat myself up. It's no different in my business. If I come across someone that's a better creator than me, or they've got a bigger business than me and they started at the same time. Or they've got, I'll look at it. And I, I desperately want to be happy for those people because that's the right thing to do. But there's a part of me that then isn't happy. But it's not about them and their success. It's about me and the fact that I'm now on my own back going, you're not working hard enough. How has that happened? How have they grown more than you? How are they a better creator than you? Because you've been lazy and you've not put the effort in. And that's me in a nutshell all the time. I was listening to a podcast yesterday and I've heard this,
0: I'm sure you've heard it as well. Comparison is the thief of joy. And we're always looking across at what other people are doing. And if we feel like they are a few steps ahead of us, then we think to ourselves, why am I not at that stage? I'm better than them. I've done this better than them, but they are where they're at.
1: And we forget about our own journey, journey in the process, right? Yeah, you do. And, and I have to be reminded constantly from my wife. You know, I've, I've always, I've joked for years and said, I want to be an actor. I've always wanted to be an actor. And, uh, you know, I know it sounds funny, but I, I've done sketches for social media and stuff like that because I crave that recognition from others, um, and I know that the, the sketches that I do, and, and that I know that people love them, and they they get a lot of attention and stuff like that. You can't do them all the time because they take a lot of time. But my wife's constantly telling me all of the time, "You're not running that person's race. Like they're not they're not you. You're not them. There's stuff that you do that they don't. But your your benchmark of success can often be skewed." Especially now with social media, our benchmark of success is often so wrong in life. And, but it's a very dangerous trap to fall into. Um, And I, I, I do beat myself up about it all the time. And I think it, we, we spoke about it earlier that it comes back to that whole fight between ADHD and autism. It's a constant battle between the two in my mind and actually right now i haven't found the solution so then every day you you take on that fight and you get the work done and you take those small wins in life that get you through but i don't know about you alex but i look at people and that that claim to be happy that claim to be content in life and they 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 promote that on social and i look and i think how how is that possible? How how are you that content in life? But I think that's a lot because I'm never content. No matter what I achieve, no matter how much we've got this children, amazing wife, lovely house, I'm never content. Never have been. Because I'm always, okay, the moment I settle on this, I'm going to lose it and it's, everything's just going to fall away. So I have to keep going. I have to keep pushing. So if you're not content and you
0: never are, what are you instead? On edge. All the time. Literally on edge all the time. And it's interesting how our early childhood experiences can shape us, right? Because when you're saying you're on edge, I'm thinking back to the 12-year-old centre-back. The ball's coming through and you decide not to kick it not to intercept it's indicative of how you're managing your life right now with your with your kids with your wife with your with your business the the ball's been pinged through by charlie plumber you know the competitors in the the social media creator space are doing certain things it's like well do you respond or do you just kind of
1: let them do it yeah and, and nowadays there's always a response There's loads of people that I see every day that are hugely inspirational to me. And I watch them and I think that's given me inspiration to do different things and and to up my game and give me the kick up the arse sometimes. Because when you're busy, you can get complacent with certain elements of your business and, and anyone's guilty of that. But now instead of letting the ball go or letting the creator steamroll, I look at that as a challenge. I think, okay, how can I, how can I do better than that? How can I increase that? And, and will it all come off? Absolutely not. But I live my life in that constant pursuit of improvement. Constant pursuit of improvement all the time with what I'm doing professionally.
0: I've absolutely been in that place myself before, but I started to ask myself, where does that end? Where does it end? Because it's just constant. If you're thinking about the journey and the destination, there is no destination, right? And I suppose there's a lot of life that is that way. I mean, maybe the destination in terms of life is, okay, you die and that's that, and you're just on this this journey. But that was causing me a lot of unhappiness in the past where I just felt like I had to had to be better. Because then I would never have those times where you sit back and you smile at, with sort of pride or fulfillment or contentment of the things that you actually have achieved? Like,
1: do you ever look back on some of the things that you've achieved and gone well done, pardon, Only if prompt. I'm, I'm that person that secures a new client. And then I want to make sure that everything is right for that client. And we've got everything onboarded and that they're happy and we're delivering, but very quickly I'm moving on very quickly. I'm right. Like, okay, what's next? Um, and I think there's an element of the, the ADHD in that because you're always looking for the next kick. You're always looking for the next high. But I, it's funny you said that about where does it end? Because I thought about this the other day and I looked at some of the, the biggest entrepreneurs. You know, I'm, I'm a big follower of Gary Vee. He was the one that got me into social media in the first place. I like watching Stephen Bartlett's podcast and I follow them as individuals and I look at them and I think for them, there's no end. I, I, I would honestly say if they if they came out and were genuinely honest, I bet they would argue they're never content. They're never content um, and I agree with you though it, it you sometimes if you're like that, you don't look at the simple things in life and I, I do I, when we do simple things and I put my phone down and I'm not working, I, I sit back after a day with the kids and we've done really simple stuff like we, and we've enjoyed the simple stuff in life. And I think, Do you know what? I just want more of this all the time. But then the reality of my world kicks in and I go, but I can't because I'm too obsessed with growing a business and, and making that as good as it can be. So those moments are really few and far between. And if I'm honest with myself, I look at it and I think some some my friends, a lot of my friends, they would say, just being a good dad a good husband, having a job that they, that they enjoy, watching football at the weekend, that's enough. You know, they could die happy with that. A lot of my friends would say that. That to me is just so unfulfilling. And it's, it's horrible to think that because I love my kids. I love spending time with my kids. Like I said, I love the simple things. But if in 40 years' time I look back and I haven't achieved more than that, at the moment, at 43, I feel like that would have been a waste. I can look at that, though,
0: and I can look at these other people who are living that kind of life, and I can feel a sense of envy. I can look across at that and go, you know what? You're enjoying the simple pleasures in life. If you can put a gun to someone's head and say, are you genuinely content and happy with your life? And then they say, yeah, man, massive Kudos to you. But I always wonder how many of those people could honestly say they are fully contented with that because a man's purpose is constant. It never shuts off. It's always running all the
1: time. When I was employed, I I was um, much calmer than I am now. Because I came home and I didn't think about work. I had quite a relaxed atmosphere within work. Since starting the business, my it's almost like that inner explosion that was waiting to come out for years has just gone off. Um, and I, I I look at my friends. I look at my friends and I think the way they're so happy with the basic stuff in life. I look and go, I, I do envy. I do envy you. I envy the fact that you, that you are content with just taking kids to football on a Sunday, going to work Monday to Friday, doing the job, coming home, few beers in the evening, friends round at the weekend. And, you know, that's a whole other story. But I I look at that and I go, and for years I looked at that and thought, what, there's something wrong with me. Why do I not enjoy that? that, that basic stuff? Why do I not enjoy that? Why do I not get a kick out of that? And then obviously this year, it's kind of, I've learned more about myself. So I now understand why I don't enjoy that that, that stuff or why I I can't just sit back and enjoy the basic stuff in life. Is it because you can
0: look back at those times when you were 10 years old, 12 years old playing football and you felt two centimeters tall and you felt like your self-worth was quite low, you wanted to run off the field, you weren't getting that recognition from people then? And it's almost like you're trying to make up for it now because I've had those similar sorts of experiences to you playing football as a, as a young kid. And when you talked about the crowd getting on your back, I remember being about 10 or 11 I, I was playing striker Saturday league game. And I never forgot what this parent said. And it was almost like a joke, but he was, didn't say it that way, but it was probably a lot of dry humour involved. He said, Alex would be a good striker if he could actually score which is obviously a joke because that's the objective of a striker is to score goals. And when he's saying that, he's not thinking that I'm going to be remembering that 26 years later, I'm going to talk about it on a podcast of that one line or two lines that he said that day. But that stuff stays with you. And that contributes to this feeling of lack of self-worth that I've had over the years, you know, have a successful business podcast is doing fairly well, all these other trappings of recognition or achievement that I'm getting as an adult, is that to make up for the fact that I didn't get that level of recognition when I was 5, 10, 15 years old. And then there were many occasions where I felt like I'm less than everyone else. And then you're comparing yourself to other people in your school,
1: your your teammates on the football field and so on. Oh, 100%. Everything I do there's an error if it's not good enough. Everything. No matter how many clients tell me, tell us that we're doing a great job, no matter how many people over the years have told me that I'm good at something, everything I do isn't good enough.
0: With a lot of the episodes of Stories of Men that I record, at the end of it, I often feel a sense of resolve around the stories that we have, a feeling that we've kind of tied a knot on this boat. The men that come on and share their experiences have often found a way of overcoming their burden or tribulations. But I feel like with Andy, some of that trauma that he experienced as a younger man continues to weigh quite heavily on his thoughts, attitudes and his behaviours. Andy still thinks about that football match from the story, even 30 years later, wondering why he left that ball And did he actually decide to leave the ball? Is the other question that was going on in my mind. Or is that the narrative that his mind has developed around the situation because of the way he views himself? Never having done enough, never being good enough. And it's interesting because I can imagine if you asked all the players that were on the pitch that day, do they remember this moment? They probably wouldn't remember it at all. But to Andy, it was something massive in his life. It was a glaring error. And in the same vein, Andy only realised years later that actually his dad hadn't been applying all this pressure onto him as a young man. He'd been applying the pressure onto himself and using his dad as a vessel almost for his own anxieties around not being good enough. He'd assigned thoughts and feelings onto his dad that his dad actually didn't have and that only came to light years later. In retrospect, Andy had undiagnosed ADHD at that time and from personal experience as well, having dealt with the same thing, I know how much your mind can race literally 24-7. There's no off switch. And I can see how he might have spiraled in this instance and misread a situation due to this detriment. It was a simple error in judgment. And of course we've all made mistakes. He continues to be a man who finds no satisfaction in his successes or very little, and he's constantly striving for more. But more of what? Will there be a time in Andy's life when he can really sit back and think, I've reached the summit. He's got this amazing family, a woman he loves, two great kids, beautiful house, nice garden. And this is still not enough for him. He still wants more. And I'm seeing him constantly on LinkedIn, putting out great content, getting tons of people who tell him they love him, they love his content but he's just constantly going for more and he's just not enough for him. And in that vein, he's certainly done a lot with his unconventional business, a name which suits him down to the ground. Do we ever really feel like we've reached the summit? I guess it's the old adage of life being about the journey and not the destination, but what if we take no satisfaction from the journey either? Where are we left then? I certainly never feel like I've achieved my life's purpose and do we ever? And do you? Before you go, I need to tell you about our man test. Because as men, we can struggle to forge strong relationships, often by being bad communicators. I've definitely been there. This podcast is about helping you better understand who you are as a man, to become the best version of yourself. And the team and I have designed a simple quiz for you to discover more about your identity as a modern man. It takes less than three minutes to complete and it's going to help you establish better relationships and form stronger connections. Whether that's with your partner, friends or co-workers, the man quiz is going to help you become more trustworthy, reliable and dependable in all your relationships. Find the link to the quiz in the show notes now. You never know, you might just learn something new about yourself that you didn't know before.